Recording for the first time in our new home. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Sponsored by the Argentina Independent, a wonderful source of English language news, entertainment, and cultural stuff, which you can read free of charge on ArgentinaIndependent.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Hand the Pod episode number 189. Um, the first that is recorded in my new living room in the wonderful barrio of Almagro, um, where I will now be living for at least the next two years. I'm pleased to say I'm finally out of temporary accommodation, much as it was nice living in Palermo. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined by one of my new neighbourhood buddies, a fellow Almagro resident, Andres. Hello, how are you? Not bad, Andres. How are you? Yes, I'm fine. Well, not because of what happened on, on Saturday, but... Yes, I am happy because you have moved near my my home, and comf- uh, con- congratulations since it looks comfortable and, and feels comfortable. So up to now, uh, so Thank yes, uh, happy about that at least. Thank you very much. Um, as listeners can hear. Uh, and as indeed we mentioned in the last episode uh, when we recorded at English Downs just after I moved here there are a few ho- uh, hotels hospitals nearby uh, that noise that you just heard was an ambulance and I will endeavour to cut most of them out from this point on nearest is Hospital Italiano which is a big big one yes that's a couple of blocks that way we've got the Naval as well just here and the Marie Curie uh, which is a cancer hospital I think just in the a couple of blocks away both of them um, so hopefully I'll, I'll be able to make notes of the times and, and cut out future um, ambulance alarms uh, alarms sirens um, but that first one I'm going to leave in just so that you get a bit of a taste of proper Almagro life um, we have got a fair bit to get through this week first of all of course is a review of the Copa America um, our last episode was previewing it and now we are reviewing an Argentina performance uh, which saw the national side once again for the second time in a year reach a major tournament final and for the second time in a year unfortunately came up just short Andres, commiserations, you're Argentine well uh, uh, we are alive but the the weather or the climate that were was at the uh, at the Estadio Nacional de Santiago at the, at, in Chile, in Santiago de Chile, was as if as if someone had died because it was terrible for for those players uh, to have lost, as you said, in two finals in the space of one year. Uh, that's perhaps key reason why they were so sad and so and some some of them or most of them crying, uh, crying out because they. They couldn't believe, or they couldn't stand having lost with the, the 
hard it is to reach two finals to have lost both of them. That I think is 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 uh, uh, breaking because you ha you may have uh, reached reached one final, you lost it. It's okay, but two of them in two consecutive years lost two uh, lost both of them. That is, I think, a most terrible part of this. Uh, not scoring any, not scoring goals in both in both of them also, uh, reaching the uh, alargue or the, the extra time, extra time uh, uh, in one, uh, uh, reaching penalties in the other one. But uh, sensations are similar in terms of of how they played or how they tried to play those finals. Argentina had uh, uh, some ca characteristics, some features. Uh, before the final, uh, all of them, because of Martino philosophy, which was trying to play the ball uh, in the in the in the floor uh, through, uh, it's more a passing style uh, of play. And and in the final against Chile, I think no one understands why. Uh, uh, Argentina play differently, uh, playing long balls, uh, uh, defending more uh, in their sides, in their side, and, and, and uh, uh, leaving Chile the responsibility to to attack and, and not. Uh, uh, I don't know if it is it was a, a chosen or or, or or perhaps not con not conscious, but it was like that. I think. And that is the best, the worst part also about the, the Saturday match. Up, up to that, it was well. Argentina played some some of, of the matches, uh, previous matches in the Copa America, uh, uh, well, uh, not so well, uh, 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 but with uh, uh, leaving the, the 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 sensation that it was with Chile the best team in the Copa, and, and yeah, they was just. A, a lot of steps uh, behind. There's uh, one um, statistic which uh, obviously it's just us two recording this episode. We were the only two who were able to make it um, today, and Thursday was a bit up in the air, and Wednesdays uh, would have been awkward uh, recording this week for reasons that we'll mention later on. Um, but um, there's one statistic which English Dan has mentioned in a, a, an op ed. I think it's technically called, uh, for the Buenos Aires Herald, um, which is in the last two major competitions, the World Cup last year and the Copa America that's just finished, Argentina have played seven um, of the current FIFA top 20. Argentina, of course, are one of the other top, uh, one of the top 20. In fact, after the Copa America, they're, um, they're about to go to number one in the FIFA rankings um, in the world. So seven of the, of the other top 19, let's say. Um, and in only three of those games against Uruguay in this year's Copa America and against Switzerland and Belgium during Brazil 2014 has Argentina's attack managed to score um, given how brilliant they were during World Cup qualifying under Alejandro Sabela that's a surprising stat and also you know, potentially hints at, at Argentina's real problem before last year's World Cup we were saying you know, their defence is clearly the weak point. How does Sabella manage to, to get the defence to come together strongly? 
um, and that's going to be the main worry. And at Brazil last year, and then to an extent as well, to a slightly lesser extent perhaps, but they've been playing a bit less defensively in the Copa America anyway, um, it, it's been the case this year. I think the the good performances in Brazil have sort of allowed the defence at least to grow together as a unit and, and to gain that confidence meaning that it's not the, the weak spot anymore. And now the attack does look like a weak spot, in spite of the fact they've got Lionel Messi, they've got Sergio Aguero and Gonzalo Higuain, who are increasingly gaining reputations, Higuain in particular, um, for, uh, for for being bottlers now with the, with the national team, um, and, and for maybe being rabbit killers to an extent as well. I mean, Higuain's got one goal in every two matches for Argentina, I think almost exactly. I think it's 25 goals in 51 appearances, if I remember rightly. Um, Aguero's goal scoring record is good as well but he was criticised before the Copa America I saw somebody but pointing he, out that he never really scores in meaningful but Iwain is if I am not wrong he scored against Bel- uh, Belgium in, in the World Cup yeah. and against Jamaica in this in Copa America so two goals in and Paraguay as well in the semi-final he scored the sixth goal which of course ah, was uh, yes. tremendously yes. meaningful and, and well, very three, decisive three goals in two major competitions precisely well, so, uh, but uh, I, I, I must say I, I also read the English dance article, so we are we are giving him credit and and, and we are not uh, receiving any money because of this. But, uh, uh, another thing he 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 said or he wrote and I think is remarkable is that Argentina had changed of the. Uh, Type of coaches in in terms of the philosophy they they, they put into the into the field into the pitch that is uh, astonishing. Uh, Maradona, Sabella, um, Peckerman, uh, now Martino, bo- uh, all of them different uh, each other, uh, and and it's also quite different to what Chile did and with uh, Germany did for to to. Put example of the rivals Argentina had in the in both yeah. finals, where, they, where they've had a, for a period of a number of years a clear yeah. strategy. In Chile's case, started off by Marcelo Bielsa, and then looking at right who can carry this idea through, and choosing well first Claudio Borghi, who who didn't exactly go down too well, but then Jorge Sampaoli, and obviously for Germany replacing Klinsmann with his assistant. Um, and Argentina haven't done that, which is which is another worthwhile point. But and and that's why I think to an extent the Martino following on from Sabella, perhaps wasn't the worst appointment in the world for Argentina because he's he's more forward looking. He's not as um, cautious, and, and Argentina clearly weren't going to play on the counter attack. But at the same time, it's not been enough of an evolution because during the World Cup last year, okay, Argentina made it to the final. When we're not talking about um, two humiliating tournaments in which Argentina are, you know, failing to get out of the group stage and thinking, oh God, you know, how could this possibly happen with this group of players? Two finals in, in the space of a year is nothing to be sniffed at. Um, but in both of them, they, they've had a number of matches where opponents have put 11 men behind the ball or, you know, 9 or 10 men behind the ball at least and have frustrated them very effectively. Um, Messi was quiet on Saturday, not so much because he was playing poorly but because Chile were able to close him down put three men on him all the time and Chile had such a um, high energy levels that they were doing that with practically everybody who was on the ball but you know Argentina weren't used to the high pressing but they're also unable to cope when teams just throw everybody behind them Martino obviously more, more possession based but they're still not really able to do as much with that possession is, is there a change that's needed from 
from midfield going forwards? Is it the change in the forwards? Do you think that 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 we need to bring new blood into the side to to see some of the the established names shaken up well, a little bit? Well, he had the opportunity when, for example, Di Maria uh, had to uh, to go out because of he he, he got injured uh, to put some someone different. Like for example, Lamela, uh, someone said about well, Ortebes. You 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 can say well a lot of names now or, or or what Martino should have done because the result was not good but uh, I think now from now on he will have to put some fresh air or, or at least to start working with players that will have uh, to be introduced into the team looking forward to the uh, South American qualifiers uh, for Ru- Russia 2018, which will start now in October, November, it's not so far. But but he, there's also another Copa America in 12 months' time, and this is the thing. Do, do, you, do you stick with the core of this squad? As, yeah, well, of course, assuming that it happens, and we'll, we'll get on to that a little bit later because we've had a, a listener's question about it. But assuming that, that the 2016 Copa happens, do you stick with the core of this squad um, in an attempt to provide some continuity and to go through there, or do you start shaking up straight away because the qualifiers begin in what is it, October, November? October. October. Um, I think well, Martino will have to work hard uh, with self-esteem with uh, the, the the players that now are into the just into the floor. They are they have they they they, they are hurt. They are with their. Uh, they're not optimi- optimi- optimistic right now. They are quite pessimistic because they have lost a, a, a final which left them very very bad. And we'll have to work hard in, into that psychological uh, aspect. Uh, and I, I don't think they will have to leave the national team right away, right now. Uh, but I think they will. he, he will have to... Uh, Keep some of the players that have already been playing for I, I don't know ten years, eight years into the national team, like for example Macherano, Messi, uh, I know Savaleta, uh, the core of the team. We've got. I, I don't think that you know saying that Messi get, should be um, yes. should be kept in the team is anything particularly controversial. I he, think he, he didn't. He didn't take for granted he will continue anyway. No, well, certainly there's a lot of Argentine uh, media talk at the moment that Messi might decide to take a break from the national team. Um, how much of that is coming from Lionel Messi himself? I'm rather dubious. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but we've got up here, which I've just brought up while Andres was talking, um, a, a comments or an article really based around comments by Ezequiel Lavezzi right after Saturday's final in which he said that for many of the players there won't be another chance to win a major trophy. So he's kind of recognising that there is a fair core of, of players um, in the Argentine national team who, who are not spring chickens. Um, to go through them very quickly, um, Lavezzi is 30 years old now, so 31 at the next Copa America, 33 at the next World Cup. Um, Javier Mascherano is, is 31. Carlos Tevez is 31. Uh, Pablo Savaleta is 30. Um... Martin Demichelis, who is uh, well, he at least suggested before the before the Copa America that he would be retiring from international football at the end of the tournament, um, has uh, presumably done that, and and is, he's thirty four. So we've got a a number of players 
um, who who are reaching that point. And then, as I say, a, n- a number of others who are younger, Aguero, Higuain, but who clearly aren't performing for the national side. Um, do you? There is like a gap between them and and other players. Exactly, and uh, but it's not as if there's a lack of of talent coming through in those positions. I I, I think what well, we've seen one today, for instance, Luciano Vieto, who's just moved from Villarreal to Atletico Madrid, so he, he's joined up with with the man who gave him his debut for Racing, in fact, uh, Diego Simeone, um, and you know another good season for him, and I think that he should be in consideration for for potentially a, a spot at the 2016 Copa America again, assuming that that happens. Mauro Icardi. We've talked about his um, personality Media issues, let's say, in the past, but he is now tied to Argentina, and, and you would think that he's going to need to get a chance because at the end of the day, if he's, if he's playing the way that he has done for the last year, year and a half, um, I'd say he deserves a, an opportunity on that basis. And that's the kind of um, play. And possibly Guido, Guido Carrillo, who's of course moved to Monaco since we last recorded, um, from Estudiantes de la Plata. If, if, if he steps up and, and adapts well to life in Europe, these are players... Who, who could put some pressure on Aguero and Iguay. Plus Lamela, Gaitan, which are not in the same exact position. But well, Gaitan, I mean, Lamela uh, could, could do with, I think, maybe settling a little more domestically and, and, and finding a place where he's happy um, uh, for, for his club, whether that club continues to be Tottenham or, or elsewhere. I think that he uh, needs to get his, 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 his head around the adaption that, that he's made over the last year or so. Um, but Gaitan has been on the fringes of the national side for a while. He was in the list of 30 before the Copa yes. America, right? And he, didn't, and he didn't quite make it. And he'd be precisely the kind of player, I, I think he should have gone ahead of Tevez, to be honest, given that Tevez's um, long-standing uh, record uh, for the Argentine national team has, has never fully matched up to, to his club record. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Tevez was, was included for political reasons in the squad and, you know, only came on late on in matches and then not at all in the semi he didn't come on in the semi-final at all did he certainly didn't come on in the final um, and of course he came yes, on and against Paraguay in the first uh, in the group stage that uh, yes. Martino was criticised because he in the position he he, he put it in, in, into the pitch and uh, and then yes and the, uh, no he didn't play in the final or semi-final no. but anyway sorry the, the point is uh, quite aside from, from Tevez on his own the point is that, that I think Gaitan should have possibly gone to the Copa America um, and Argentina have got the players to, to put some pressure particularly on the forwards in defence it's going to be a little bit more there's more transition there you would think Lucas Orban is, is going to get a chance at some point at left back who replaces Demi Chelis as sort of third choice centre back because obviously you've got Otamendi and Garaya are the first two and I think that's entirely correct and Saldi was I think he was called up for a friendly against Croatia last year and then he disappeared mm. Then there is, a, for example, another player who hasn't been even called up for a friendly and has uh, been linked with River Plate, for example, Emiliano Insua. It's a possibility, I don't say he must be called up, but there are some players that uh, haven't been given an, an, a single opportunity and now that there is a generation uh, that is not sooner or later leaving national team because simply because of age, not because of, of, of performance or, or both. Uh, but yes, I think Martino will have to, to, to carefully watch players to introduce, little by little, not of course a, a, a whole new team for 
the first uh, uh, FIFA date of of, of uh, South American qualifiers, but uh, yes, uh, the Michel is one of the cases, then Tevez, then Macherano, well, they are 30 or more, and, and uh, you have to think if to keep this team or to uh, start moving forward to other players that because they won't, uh, the, 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 the actual players won't uh, reach the, of course, Russia 2018 in the case Argentina qualifies. That is something true. And so that's the next thing. I mean, do you put together a squad now that's that's designed to win the Copa America Centenario in a year's time? Do you focus on that, or do you develop for the future, or do you try and do both at once? And and, and where's the sweet spot between those? I guess is the the big question. One one thing that we know, and and you know, I got a few tweets right after the final and, and the following day asking about it but Gerardo Martino's job is safe uh, there's not been any suggestion here that, that, that he's going to be fired less than a year into his charge uh, he's had, he has a contract to, to the end of the 2018 World Cup and, and I think that it's entirely right that he's safe because one of the things regardless of whether you agree with, with the way that he's, he's, take, he's gone about the job or not um, one, you know, the point that English Dan makes in the article that we cited a minute ago is, is that Argentina need a bit more continuity of ideas we, and and um, what we do want to see though is Martino giving a chance and, and shaking things up a little bit not sticking with this same group again now um, who as we say haven't been humiliated haven't gone over their tails between their legs or anything but have maybe just become slightly I don't want to say stale but um Com- slightly too comfortable, maybe. Yes. I don't know whether that makes any sense. No. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think that it's comfortable is the is could be that 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 happened to to him to to Martino. I think. Uh, but uh, yes, there, there there are people suggesting Martino to leave because of the of of, of the failure of the fracaso uh, of not uh, obtaining the Copa or the Copa America. Uh, but that is, that would make uh, another turnaround, and, and and for example, I don't know, people suggesting Ramon Diaz should should be the the coach of the national team, and that would be another another change of perspective and wouldn't uh, uh, solve the problems that have Argentina right now, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and it also you know whether you talk about Ramon Diaz, whether you talk about bringing Peckerman back, or or San Paoli, you know, it overlooks the fact that all of these people are currently in gainful employment. Um, they, 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 they've got contracts and uh, and uh, of their own, and it's not just a matter of uh, representing your country and you know being very proud of that. There's also the fact that you've got to work for the Argentine Football Association, who, mm. in some cases, they've worked for before and maybe haven't always got on with. That you know, all the rest of it. There, there are a lot of other considerations um, to take in. One other thing that we do need to mention, even though we don't. Um, I think it's safe to say neither of us agree with it at all. Uh, but, but it would be negligent of us not to mention it on, on this podcast, is that Lionel Messi has um, not been entirely free of criticism in Argentina. Uh, as, as we watch at the moment, we're, uh, we've got the television on mute and they're talking about whether he's going to take a break from the national side. As I already said, I think that that's coming from the media rather than from him. If I were Messi, I would. Because uh, 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 there were some some critics that uh, 
exceed the, the, what his football uh, or, or the, 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 his performance uh, for Argentina squad. It is mm. cagón, pecho frío, uh, chicken, or, or, or what I know how to say pecho frío. One bottler is, yes. is how I normally uh, translate it. But one, one thing that's, that's I found heartening so far is that I've seen far, far, far more people defending him from those kind of criticisms than I've actually seen criticisms being levelled at him so far. Um, but all the same, they're, they're there and they've led the AFA president, Luis Segura, um, earlier today to say that uh, I hope Messi never gets tired of those criticisms. <laughs> because one day he might do and he might decide he's, he's not coming back to play for us anymore and that's going to be a big problem. Um, in some ways, I'd, I mean... On the one hand, yes, I, I, I think if I was Lionel Messi, you know, the temptation would be there. In some ways, I kind of wonder whether it would be good. Um, I have to be very careful here to avoid uh, sounding like a complete cretin, but I, I wonder whether it would be good for the Argentine national team to have to play a few matches without Messi. Because they're not always, not, not because they'd do any better, they wouldn't, but because they don't always play as a team. They, they, they look at times as if. Um, Messi save us or something exactly like that. yeah I mean as if they're just waiting for him to, to to do whatever for them and so I wonder whether playing a few matches at least without him in the squad and obviously if you're Gerardo Martino or you know if, if I get offered the Argentina national team job tomorrow um, then you know you go and talk to Lionel Messi and, and you say to him look this is what I'm thinking is still very much part of my plans you're going to be in the squad um, the next time we play competitive matches but I want to play a couple of friendlies without you because I want to see how the, the other players react and, and to see whether we can get an idea of how to play that Messi can then come in with and, and put the finishing touches on as opposed to Messi being the whole idea because that makes it incredibly easy to shut Argentina down by shutting Lionel Messi down um, as, as as we've seen recently. Uh, it, yes, perhaps that, that that make them be more more aware, more awakened awaken because uh, they... Not, I don't say consciously, perhaps unconsciously. They say, well, if I play, if I don't do what I have to do, there is Messi here uh, besides me and, and he will save us and will um, score the goals I can't. Uh, I can't score and, and playing with, without him will make them be more aware and, and perhaps uh, more free to, to, to do what they can do and, and not depend on him. On, uh, Almost ex ex exclusively. So, mm. uh, yes, I think perhaps it's a good test, but well, we don't know. Where. I mean, the other thing is that you have to have a plan to play without him because it, it's, you know, people ask why oh, why can't he, he be the same for Argentina as he is for Barcelona? Well, for Barcelona, he's playing with the same teammates every single day in training. He's got teammates who know from years and years of experience every day where he wants the ball played. If he gets the ball and he's surrounded by... Marcus, Andres Iniesta, Xavi, Sergio Busquets, nowhere to move to to give him the passing option because they know where he's going to look. When he makes that pass and then spins the defender and starts running without the ball, they know where he wants the return pass. Argentina's players, you know, are not completely unfamiliar with playing with Lionel Messi, but they haven't got that understanding on the same level of intuition simply because they only get to play with him, you know, every day for a week at a time five or six times a year. Um, they don't get to play with him every single day, week in, week out of the season. And as a result, the intuition 
even if it is there, it, it, it's not as instant. Um, and, and that's what makes it easier to shut them down by shutting Messi down at international level than at club level, I think. And so try and develop a system without him and then put him into that system rather than developing the whole system and building everything up on him yes. because then you just end up with a load of teammates who rely on him entirely. Another, another uh, uh, fact that has been explained or, or at least some, I, I heard some opinions saying that uh, marking in, in South America is tougher than in, in Europe and, and Europe they, they perhaps admire, so, uh, admire him so much that uh, I don't say they don't mark him mark him but uh, it's perhaps easier for him at least to elaborate the place he wants and, and not uh, like, and that doesn't happen in, here in South America that's something all, uh, another opinion that perhaps could uh, explain why uh, Messi is not so comfortable playing for Argentina as, it, as, uh, as he is uh, playing for Barcelona um, I know that could be another another option Is he going to take a break, in your opinion? Well, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, media is insisting on that uh, uh, possibility. Uh, uh, there was newspapers. Now it's TV that are uh, insinuating or are, are saying that perhaps uh, he leaves uh, a national team at least for the friendlies that Argentina has been scheduled uh, on a tour of. Uh, uh, for uh, in in the USA, uh, they have uh, uh, in September uh, an arranged friendly against Mexico in Texas, and then in October they start the uh, October and November. I think they I think they have two two matches starting the, the, the qualifiers, and and it's a big question mark. I don't really know whether he will decide or not to to be part of the national team. Uh, I, I think that he 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 deserves. I don't say that he will uh, leave a national team because he's tired of critics, and I think he needs also a rest, like normal people even. Not I don't say players. Uh, they, he he has no vacations almost. So yeah, I, I, I saw a, a headline on ESPN FC um, earlier today saying that apparently Alexis Sanchez is is you know exhausted and and feeling overworked, and he's now almost immediately got to head back to England to. Or wherever Arsenal are having their pre-season training to, to join up with Arsenal um, and and start that and so of course you know it, it's the same for any international footballer but Messi has uh, more travelling and, and more playing to do the most uh, particularly given all of the commercial agreements that AFA have when they when they arrange friendlies and whatnot apparently they're rather worried that he will decide to take a break here precisely because of that they'd end up losing a load of money on on pre-arranged friendlies that they've got if he does um, I think there is no no normal people. Working in an office, in a newspaper, in a in any any environment, carrying the the hours the hours of working and traveling that a, a national team player has. So I am justified. Uh, I'm not saying hey, hey, players, of course, they, they earn a lot of money, mm. but I think they <laughs> things are like that, and, and and it's not a because they earn a lot of money, they have to work. 24 hours, 24 hours a day, 36, uh, 365 year, uh, years, uh, days in a, in a year, and I think they deserve. And Alexis Sanchez and Messi, for example, uh, if they decide to take a break, he's, he's deserved. And I, I, 
could be because they are tired of critics in the case of Messi or because he's tired of physically tired not yeah. because uh, he's criticized I think uh, I mean uh, for, for Chile's players of course it's going to be particularly exhausting because again assuming that the Copa America does happen next year then uh, they've, they're going to have played last year's World Cup this year's Copa America next year's Copa America the Confederations and, Cup 2017 yes. and then the World Cup and then again, the next Copa America in 2019. So they're going to have, have had, uh, by the beginning of the 2019-20 season, some of the younger Chilean players, I'm guessing, you know, if they play all the way through for the national side and, and stay with it the whole time, they're going to have had six consecutive European summers. In the case of Alexis Sanchez, also the, he plays for... In the uh, Premier League, it doesn't stop even on, on, well, exactly, on New, yeah. New Year. So. So, so without any kind of break for, for a player of Sanchez's... Uh, Caliber, obviously, he might very well not be playing at the same level by the time uh, twenty nineteen twenty comes around. Um, but you know, the, these these players are going to be exhausted. Uh, Argentina, I suppose, at least aren't going to be in the Confederations Cup. Uh, whatever happens, that they're going to have the summer of uh, twenty seventeen or the, or the winter, uh, the Argentine winter, European summer of twenty seventeen off. Whatever happens, but um, it's 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 a thing that's you know it's worth bearing in mind. Maybe the occasional break. Um, and, and put your feet up for a couple of weeks is, is a good chance to recharge batteries um, in terms of, of other stuff then to change tack slightly but to stick with the national team before we get on to uh, the, the, the restart of the league names coming through who are going to be playing a part in the Argentine national team because as I've just said we have a fair few international competitions coming up in the next few years we have um, next year the Copa America Centenario assuming it happens Shortly after that, the Olympics, which of course is going to involve a lot of, of upcoming players and, and a chance to, to have a look at what the national side might look like but in a few years' time. I heard that uh, the I don't know if all, all the Commonwealth associations have arranged something with the European clubs that if they play for if the uh, major players, the adult players play Copa America, they won't uh, be able to play for uh, in the Olympics. That makes sense. I mean, in the in the context of, of clubs having all the power, and particularly the European clubs with lots of money having all the power, I, it doesn't surprise me. Um, it's also a good chance, I think, for if you're the manager. I guess that there's, yeah, obviously, it's frustrating to an extent. You want to be competitive. You want to win the the Olympic football tournament if you can. But I guess it's, it also is a good chance then to look at a really wide range of players in competitive circumstances in two two competitions within a few months. So, okay, thank you for pointing it out. Um, so next year's Copa America, the Olympics, with presumably two largely different squads in that case. Um, the Confederations Cup, of course, Argentina will not be involved in, so that's two competitions, then the World Cup um, in 2018, followed by the Copa America in 2019. So that's four competitions in the next four years, um, basically. So young players coming through who could be competing and, and say could be featuring in the in the um, national side by if not the 2018 World Cup then you know the start of the following cycle the 2019 Copa America Let, let's work from the back forwards yeah so in goal I guess Jeronimo Rulli um, any other young goalkeepers you can think of Marches, Marchesin perhaps but he's 27 well he's young but he will uh, have 31 if, if he arrives to Copa to yeah World I mean, so It'd be a bit of a late bloomer, I guess, but obviously as a goalkeeper, he's got perhaps yes. a bit more leeway age-wise. 
Um, the problem, big problem, I think, is in defense in the, in the back. Uh, so in in defense, Otamendi and uh, Garay, neither of them are particularly old. Then they're going to be around for a little while. But who's coming up behind them? I guess you'd have who's going to be, as I said earlier, pushing pushing to replace Martin Demichelis as the sort of third place centre back. You would think Matteo Musacchio is going to be in the conversation. Ramiro Funes perhaps. Mm, okay, no. I, I'm well, not so. I am. Sure I, about of course, I'm not putting on my River Plate chart, but uh, in, terms of, in, the, in back, terms of the media, Mamana in the right, words. perhaps. Uh, oh, oh Mamana, yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, Mamana at, at right back or even at centre back. Um, who he's already played yes. for Argentina, of course. He he made his Argentina debut before his River debut, just just before last year's World Cup. Um, others. Otamendi is you saw the first in the first uh, at the first centre back. Then the second one is is the one I. I don't know who could be there, who fit the the the, the pair of backs. Uh, then in the in the left, perhaps the the second one is there with the question mark. The then in the in the left back, as you have mentioned, uh, Orban as yeah. natural, uh, uh, or, or Milton Casco would be also because no, Martino. How old is Milton Casco? No, I'm so young. I think he might be twenty, late twenties. See, this is the thing. I'm really trying to think of players who are, let's say, let's say, would be eligible for next year's Olympic squad. Really, who are going to be coming through and putting some real. Yeah, Milton Casco has now 23, 23, 23 he's, of he's twenty-seven. Oh. So he, I don't think he he could count no. for this list. Um, but I mean, really, the the fact that we're thrashing around a bit for names illustrates that the defence at the moment at least looks like being um, the, the, the the problem spot in midfield whilst there's nobody who's going to step up and replace like for like Javier Mascherano when he retires as, as in fact he's said to be thinking about retiring from international football now um, you'd think that Matthias Kranovitzer is, is, is going to be coming in um, as, as number five or a sort of mixed midfielder maybe Guido Rodriguez Andres, Andres Kubas, you know, so far we're just naming River and Boca midfielders. But. Andres Kubas, who has been playing in, in the under 20, not, I think Rodriguez hasn't even, even playing there in the, in the youth, youth national team. Hmm. Kubas could be, but problem is in the, in the sides. Perhaps uh, another one who hasn't been called up is Ocampos. I think uh, could be another option there. In the more in the left uh, side of the of the center of the, of the midfield, uh, I think Pastore will continue continue there. Uh. And what did you think of Pastore during the Copa America? Uh, he had his ups right? and downs. Yeah, with the uh, deep down in the in the final, of course, uh, as most of the team. But I think he 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 will continue there, and he had. He made a decent uh, Copa America. Everything, of course, is uh, is dark because of the of the loss of the final that has been lost. But I think uh, uh, Pastore, along with Lamela, could make a good pair of of offensive midfielders there. Yeah. See, I, I thought Pastore was sort of ghosting through a few matches. He, he links well with Messi. That's the good thing. Yes. Um, and they make each other play better. But then there were some matches where he just disappeared a bit, and obviously in the final it wasn't entirely his fault. He was pushing forward much more on the on the left side of midfield than Lucas Biglia was on the other side, and that meant that Chile were attacking Argentina's 
sort of left-hand channel a lot more because of the space that he was leaving, and that's that's what he was put in the pitch to do. You know, it's not as if he can be criticised for not sitting deep um, when when he's clearly been put on the pitch and told to join the attack. Um, but it's uh, maybe his positioning or, or, or his exact role in the side needs to be just adjusted slightly. Um, or Campos is worth pointing out, you know, to uh, just generally is, is he turns twenty one on the eleventh, which is quite young Saturday. Yes. Uh, so he's still really young for somebody who's already been in Europe for ooh two years now or three. Yeah, I, I think he he left River Plate when. Uh, he's been, was he's about been in Europe to, for three to... years. He, he of course yeah he, he played. Yes. When one or two matches when River came back to the Primera and then got sold to Monaco, yes. didn't he? Yes. So, so he's been to he's been in Europe for three years. Um, so for him to only just be turning twenty-one, you know, he's he's very very young, I'd, and I'd agree that he's he's surely going to be an international um, at some point. And then up front, we've we've got we've mentioned a few names already. You know, Luciano Vieto, Guido Carrillo, but uh, possibly is slightly older. But um, yes, I think uh, the attack is well well covered with uh, the. Actual players like uh, Iwain Aguero. Well, it is. Maria, but then, as I say, you need to shake them up because then, clearly they they haven't been performing yes. in the key matches yes. in the group stage in, in the qualifiers. Yes, but I mean, you have then if if you have to replace one of them, you have as you said, mm. Guido Garrido, uh, you have uh, Gaitan, you have uh, Ocampos, uh, you have names that you could insert in the in the team. Problem, I think, major problem and big, bigger problem are in the. In the in the back, we uh, in fact uh, uh, didn't find the name for the second centre back, for example. Hmm. And for example, a right midfielder. Uh, the problem is that uh, in national team there hasn't been a clear uh, draw for uh, I know uh, right or, or or left midfielder because, for example, Di Maria was uh, more an attacking midfield, yeah. uh, more striker than a midfielder, and there was no one in the Behind him to to cover the that side, so uh, it's hard to think of right or left midfielder, for example, in the national team, uh, because uh, naturally they, they they go up uh, go to attack constantly, and, and Di Maria is a, is an, a, another striker, uh, Messi is perhaps in the other side, but he's also striker, uh, even though he 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 starts the place in the more. In the back, perhaps in the, in the midfield. Yeah. So it's it's hard to to put the na- names in the in the players. That I I think I'd, I, I ideally if I'd almost think about doing this for the opening qualifiers, uh, the, the, the opening couple of qualifiers possibly, but certainly for the friendlies, I'd be thinking Romero in goal. Fine. He, he's still relatively young considering the number of caps he's got. He's Argentina's most capped goalkeeper ever, um, and he's still only. 28 or something, isn't it? Let me just look this up. I apologise for the thumping. That's um, my computer moving around as I attempt to type Sergio Romero into into Wikipedia. Here we go. He is, yeah, 28 years old. Um, and he's Argentina's most capped goalkeeper of all time, which is astonishing in his own. I would keep him in goal for now. Um, fine. The defence... As we say, there are there are issues with defence, so it would need a little bit more thought than I can give at the moment. But maybe have, assuming he doesn't retire, Mascherano alongside. Well, Biglia seems to be the the preferred 
um, partner, but in, in the next couple of years, I'd, I'd want to look at starting to bring Kranovita along, in alongside Mascherano as well, because Biglia isn't a spring chicken anymore. And in attack, Messi on the left, because that's apparently where he... Sorry, Messi on the right, because that's apparently where he wants to be playing more um, these days again. Possibly Pastore in the middle, possibly Come. someone else. And then on the, le- on, on the wide left... Um, I'd, I'd replace you know Di Maria slash Lavezzi. I'd, I'd, I'd stick Gaetan in there. Uh, Lavezzi, his finishing is dreadful, and Di Maria has been for a while for Argentina. I think the, the thing with Di Maria is he, he's obviously very, very, very able, um, very talented, but he plays on instinct. If you if you allow Di Maria the chance to, well, if you force Di Maria to have to make decisions, it, his decision making is bloody awful. <laughs> yes. Um he he and, and I think his be... finish finishing were also like uh, like trying to dribble and then uh, he finished the place with no neither a, a, a cross a, either a, yeah. a, a shot. Um, exactly, yeah. And and I think that's the thing that I, I think he's he's looked like he struggled at the World Cup last year and at the Copa America this year where Argentina have been dominating possession. Okay, last year they weren't even particularly set up to dominate possession. It was a result of, of how teams played against them. This year they've been set up to play to, to, to dominate possession um, to a greater extent. And it forces Di Maria to have to think when he gets the ball. And I think he's a lot better when he's acting on instinct. That's why he looked so good and was such to a key part. To long the ball and, and he runs. Well, exactly, yeah, because during the, during the qualifiers, Argentina were playing on the counter-attack, um, much more very fast-paced, sitting back and, and, and soaking up pressure more than anything because Sabella was afraid of... <laughs> Of, of what the opponents could do to a very what was perceived as a very vulnerable defence and then hitting them on the pace with Messi and Higuain and Aguero and Di Maria flying forward and Di Maria looked fantastic in that team because when all you've got to do is leg it up the pitch carrying the ball and then lay it off to a teammate he's never having to think and his as soon as you start dominating possession and, and getting in the ball as long as he doesn't get injured like the other day where it's yeah. Yeah, and, and the World Cup it's another psychological component I think in Di Maria uh, Getting injured in the perhaps hot moments, mm. difficult moments. Uh, of course, it's not his fault. Perhaps, uh, well, he got gets injured, and and, and you can't uh, blame him because oh, you got injured, you are stupid. But uh, it's something to think about. Uh, why yeah. he, uh, perhaps psychological, spe- psychologically speaking, not uh, he wants to 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 get injured. No, he wants he doesn't want. But it's coincidence or. Uh, Two, two, quite similar in a lot of aspects between the final of last year and with this one, and one of, one of those things is the Di Maria injury. Yeah. Um, so Di Maria, you know, as I say, that, that kind of wide left position which currently belongs to Di Maria, and if Di Maria is injured, then to a second love it. See, I would look at putting Gaetan, maybe even Ocampos, um, uh, or, or somebody of that ilk in. In, into that team just to, just to shake up that role a bit and to 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 get people to you know to get the players who are currently in that attack to realise that their, their position isn't automatic mm. up front at this moment in time I don't know who I'd put in um, because Aguero obviously has just had a fantastic season for Manchester City he's a, he's a fantastic centre forward and yet and yet has this habit um, for Argentina of, of you know he's now not scored in, in knockout matches um, Higuain 
just doesn't look fit at the moment. And so then you're going back and thinking, right, so what other centre forwards do Argentina have? Well, Mauro Icardi, maybe. You have you uh, you have the the Eto, you know, Eto Carrillo has a decent Icardi season for Atletico Madrid. Yes. Sorry, who else did you say? No, Vieto Carrillo, Icardi, Di Santo. You have a lot of names. Oh, Di Santo. Okay, Di Santo's a left field choice, but I've no idea what he did in Germany last season. Um, He's called. Uh, I, I think I, I asked you via mail if if Di Santo had scored a lot of goals and he he's, has a record, a good record, but in in Germany. Bundesliga, uh, with, that is not the most important uh, league in in Europe, but he has scored, I think, uh, mostly near to a, a goal per every two matches, which is mm. very good. But Bundesliga, which is not uh, not the Premier League, it's not Italy, not Spain. It's a decent standard, but not the toughest uh, defensively, no. perhaps. Um, but okay, well, maybe he deserves a look, given that record. Um, some alternative anyway in that position but just try and shake things up is, is what I'm thinking um, we're going to take a break we're going to refill glasses and we'll come back in a minute and we will discuss not only the restart of the league season and of course Carlos Tevez's um, move to Boca Juniors from Juventus um, but also preview a match that's going to be played between now and the next um, time we record which is River Plate against Guarani in the first leg of the Copa Libertadores semi-final we will re- River has sorry uh, three matches in a week yes they play on Wednesday against Aguaita Tigre in the match that they uh, have in hand for the league they play on Saturday at home to Temple thank you Temple I knew it began with T <laughs> uh, so two matches against teams beginning with T in the next few days um, in, in the the 16th round of the Primera um, and then they play the first leg of the of the Libertadores semi-final against Guarani next Tuesday uh, which is well it's currently Tuesday so one week this evening and we will of course be recording presumably on Wednesday or Thursday next week um, we will get on to this anyway in a few minutes time so don't go anywhere with the well the transfer movers and shakers and some of the main talking points of the window in Argentina which of course has been largely overshadowed by the Copa America um, but there has all the same been quite a bit of activity the transfer window closes on Thursday night um, apparently which is a bit of a shame because it means that some of these clubs might well make last minute moves which will see us slightly out of date by the time league action gets underway on Friday but we'll see um, the main story of course is the return of the prodigal son Carlos Tevez to Boca Juniors there are plenty of prodigal sons in Argentina and they seem to come back in every single transfer window Tevez isn't even the only one to come back who's a big name um, in this window because Lucho Gonzalez and Javier Saviola have both returned to River Plate as well we shall talk about them too but the main story obviously is Tevez back to Boca we were hoping to be able to record with one or two of our trained tamed Boca fans 
um, in this episode, but the uh, pressures of, of needing to get something online, uh, preferably before Tigray v River tomorrow, um, mean that, that we've not been able to. Hopefully they'll be able to come on next week. But generally speaking, you, you have to say that Tevez coming back to Boca is, is a fantastic signing for Boca, no? Yes, and apart from that, uh, basically, basically because he uh, ended the Juventus with a very, very good level, uh, uh, not so old because he's 31 years, uh, so he could perfe- perfectly play for two or three more years yeah, at a good level. It seems like we're contradicting ourselves here because just in the previous segment we were talking about players of that age being a bit too old for the national team now and are they going to play much longer but obviously they're different things because Tevez will play every weekend and exactly. the national team is not that, that way and, uh, but, but also they're, they're different things because you know the players that we're used to seeing coming back to the Argentine yeah. league um, after time in, in Europe earning their money um, generally are kind of 33, 34, 35 there have been a couple of exceptions in recent years Juan Sebastián Verón was, was 31 when he came back to Estudiantes um, Gabriel Milito, when he returned to Independiente, was 30. Riquelme, but, but 37. And, yeah. Yes, and he has played until December last year, more or less. Exactly. So, I mean, and, and you know, the, the other two that we just mentioned, Lucho González and uh, Javier Saviola, are 33 and 34, uh, respectively. I might have the ages the wrong way around, actually. Yes, Saviola 33 and Lucho González 34. Yeah. And Aymar 35. Yes, and Pablo Aymar, of course, he came back in, in well... April yes. uh, for, for River after training with them since uh, since December. Um, so Tevez is, is very much in his prime comparatively, and although um, Hander Pod generally and particularly me have been on record almost throughout our time as, as criticising Tevez for the national team, I, I want to make clear that at club level I've never denied that he's a superb player. Um, he, for whatever reason, hasn't stepped it up to the same level for Argentina. Um, I feel that he's, he's slightly overblown and, and certainly has a certain amount of media cheerleading happening on his behalf but that's not to say that he isn't a fantastic player at club level if Daniel Osvaldo six months ago was looking far too good for the Argentine Nas- uh, for the Argentine league Carlos Tevez is going to surely he's going to be even, even better know. I think because he has no problems outside the well, at least I think he has yeah. no problems outside and his desire to return to, to Boca is, is real it's one that he's talked about ever since he left he said I want to come back to Boca I want to go back to Boca when I've still got knees and ankles that I can use I don't want to go back to Boca when I'm in my mid-30s and can't do anything anymore um, I, I want to be useful to the team and that's you know what he's done after forcing the, the move through for Juventus because this is the other thing we need to recognise that we said many times already this year can't see it happening this year we even said it on the last Hand of Pod episode I think when somebody asked now, us now the other problem is the rest of the team because uh, or at least his attack mates because uh, Ovaldo officially has left Boca, I think. Uh, now it's, there is no possibility for him to 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 continue. Which uh, uh, Osvaldo uh, going uh, continuing at Boca will make a very very. I think uh, talking about names, uh, 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 a, a European strike strikers pair of strikers. I think because Osvaldo and Tevez have. Uh, recently uh, shared uh, the attack in, in, in Juventus so that would have been very good for them but finally Osvaldo left Boca so Ancaleri will leave I think in, in December so uh, we have to, to see will, what will Boca do with the, with the attack 
uh, if will be Tevez with uh, who other players to, to, to share attack with him. Yeah, and of course Daniel Osvaldo will not be one of those players after, first of all, uh, many Boca fans, or well, particularly Osvaldo, make a big public show of uh, celebration when Southampton announced they were rescinding his contract and he was therefore free to negotiate with Boca. And then the following day, he announced that he was definitely not going to be returning to Boca and was leaving Argentina, having spent quite a bit of the winter saying, I really want to stay with Boca. Um, I hope that Southampton loan me out again because it's you know my dream to play alongside Carlos Tevez for Boca. Turns out that's all just chamusho, as, as they say in Argentina. is well, bullshit, basically. Yes. Um, Andres, perhaps you can fill us in on... on why exactly Daniel Osvaldo has decided to, to leave Argentina? Well, he has more than one woman, woman to, to, to keep, uh, to maintain or to, uh, well, uh, have to, to spend money of, of, uh, on. So uh, he will demand a high salary uh, in order to... to, to uh, I, I don't know how to say in order to uh, fulfill that needs of the of the women he he left or he uh, had children with. Yes, and uh, in particular, he was demanding, requesting. I don't like it when people say demand for wages. Actually, because players are perfectly within their rights to request a, a wage a wage number, but um, forty thousand per month. Yes. Which initially, he, he, he was. I, I think the, the, the version I heard was that he was claiming that he was asking for 40,000 pesos a month and that Boca were being incredibly cheap by refusing to pay it. And then it transpired that he was actually asking for $40,000 a month, which is about 11 times. Um, yes. at, at, the, at the black market exchange rate, it's 11 or 12 times. The, 9, 10, or 12, well, it's yeah. higher anyway. Um, and, and, and so it suddenly became somewhat more. Reasonable. Uh, so, where is Daniel Osvaldo going to play next? And does anybody actually care? Well, I think he cares, but we don't know where he will be playing. Uh, I, I think he will find the club because he he's, he has skills. His his uh, skills are are undoubtable, are are uh, undeniable. But well, he has that problems outside the the, the field and. Uh, I think that's why Southampton uh, decided to cut the contract with him. It's why a series of clubs have decided to cut their links with him throughout his career. Boca, when he arrived, I think we said we're his 11th club in 10 years. Um, so whoever's next up is 12th club in 10 and a half years, I guess. Um, that's why we will have to see what, what will Boca do with the strikers, uh, apart from Tevez, who, who is, of course, the star, will be the star of, of that team. Yeah. And uh, other players who Boca have brought in over the winter transfer window. Does anybody even care who any of the others are? I don't think so. But they have um, brought in Fernando Tobio on um, uh, loan from Palmeiras, who should be a very able uh, signing, I think, to essentially to replace Guillermo Bordiso at the centre of defence. Um, and potentially... Potentially Facundo Ferreira um, could could be coming in to replace Jonathan Caleri slash Daniel Osvaldo. Um, others losses for Boca, as I say, Osvaldo's gone. Bordiso has gone to Leon in Mexico. Um, Marco Tosiglieri has been sold to Moreno. 
Guido Badala, of course, uh, is a name that perhaps some of you are wondering about because he's been included in the Demis. fee, in inverted yeah. commas, for Carlos Tevez. There was no fee for Carlos Tevez at all. Boca have... Um, but I didn't have... I, I didn't even see him play, so... Well, no, strange. exactly. And, and so um, Juventus have, have agreed to let Tevez go back to Boca in return for the sort of cuts of future fees or, or, or potential future rights for... Um, a, a few players in the Boca youth team as well as a two-year loan um, for Badala which seems really strange and I can't work out what Juventus get out of that because it's apparently a two-year loan without an option to buy for a 17 or 18-year-old who's played a total of about half an hour for Boca's first team he came on in one of their early league matches um, earlier this year and one of their um, Copa Libertadores group stage matches one or two of their Copa Libertadores group stage matches fairly late on in, in each um, so of course none of those are against particularly you know high calibre teams because as we mentioned at the time they had a relatively weak Libertadores group um, he was very impressive in, in the 5-0 win over River in the, the summer friendly um, but I mean so that's that, summer friendly that will be true Argentinian in the, in the Juventus attack because there will be well I mean, that's the thing, Vadala. will there? Because Vadala is not going to come straight into the Juventus starting lineup, is he? If, no. if he's barely Vadala, for Boca. Not, not Vadala. And so I'm struggling to see what Juventus think they're getting out of this, given that there's no option to buy. Boca send one of their most promising young kids off to Europe to be to train with Juve and, for and two group years, of and then young... get him back at the end of it. Whereas Juventus are and a group of another youth players. With I don't really know, but. Uh... Hmm. Uh, that is something similar to what Aguilar, Jose Maria Aguilar, with, when he was River Plate president, yeah. did with Villarreal. Mm. Uh, that, and that's why Munsakio left River and went to play with to Villarreal and uh, with almost no, uh, no, no matches played at River and now is uh, very, very established there in Europe. And, and, and I said Dybala and I forgot to mention him also for national team. As a possibility. Oh, you're quite right. Yeah, we did. Uh, well remembered. Um, Emmanuel Tripodi and, and Juan Manuel Martinez have also left Boca. Um, actually, sorry, Juan Manuel Martinez is currently training with the reserves. Apparently, I haven't been told he's not going to be part of the first team. Huracan wants him. Huracan wants him. Okay, yes. that's interesting. Apparently, Boca are waiting for an offer from outside Argentina because they want some dollars. Um, and Jonathan Caleri is frequently being uh, touted mm. as the player who's going to be on his way but we haven't heard of any interest yet um, Boca have been on a proper pre-season tour they've had a winter break to the summer uh, they've been to Florida played Jacksonville Armada who I'd never heard of before and the Fort Lauderdale Strikers who I had um, and Deportivo Saprissa as well in Costa Rica they won all three matches so well done Boca yes. um, but of course having talked so much just before the Copa America about what a crisis Boca were in it's worth mentioning they're currently one point behind San Lorenzo, who are the current leaders. So, by no means a bad position for Boca to be in, especially considering how underwhelming they look for much of the first half of the year. And I think that they should very much expect a title challenge. We should also mention River Plate's transfer business, because as we say, they've brought back two of their former legends, Javier Saviola, um, has come in on a free transfer, and Lucho Gonzalez, who of course... Um, Missed out on a Copa Libertadores title with River ten years ago. Ten years ago, 
2005? Yes, I think. No, yes. it was 2004, wasn't it, when they, oh. when they lost to Boca um, in the Copa Libertadores semi-finals. Uh, no, but then they lost against uh, Sao Paulo, 2005, perhaps. Oh, yeah, and he was still playing then, wasn't he? And then he yes. went in, in 2005. So missed out, anyway, on, in, on two straight Libertadores at the semi-final stage. He's now back for River and hoping to be involved at the semi-final stage um, this time round. Uh, after playing in the Qatari second division, so how well he's going to be? There, you know. there have been, a, of course, a lot of uh, uh, jokes uh, on the age of River Plate signings with uh, the senior, perhaps, ca- uh, category of them. Because Luis González, thirty-four, Aymar, ha- who has been ha- has been uh, to River in, in April, as you said, and and Saviola, 33, 34, 35. There have been some jokes about that, but, but uh, we we have to see them play and 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 then uh, uh, see see what what they have to do, yeah. what they, they they can give to to, to the team. I, I, if Gallardo have talked with Saviola personally, they they had had a meeting, and, and because Gallardo wanted to know what Saviola thought about uh, uh, coming back to River and, and he, find he found him uh, interested, very enthusiastic and, and that's why he, he said, well, okay, well, come, come here, come, come and see if you can play. And uh, as, as far as I heard, uh, he has been training and practicing the finishing of the of, of plays and he was quite good. Yes, uh, they've also signed another forward, Nicolas Bertolo, who played on Friday for Rivers, uh, is worth mentioning, as we forgot to so far, um, that River have in fact played a competitive match of football in the last few days, because on Friday they played in the Copa Argentina against Rosario Central, and they lost 2-0. They were down to nine men, I think, by the end of the match. Um, Alvarez Valanta and they were two centre-backs. Alvarez Valanta... Philip Mori got sent off in the first half. No, Mayana. Oh, Maidana, yes. Maidana yes. got sent off in the first half and Balata must have been sent off in the second half. I incredibly lack of, of, of distance and time. Uh, Alvarez Valanta, we, uh, we hope. And, and tomorrow, apparently, he will be there in the starting lineup again. We hope he, he improves uh, his performance. Because tomorrow they play Tigre, as yes. we mentioned already. Um, Bertolo picked up an injury, which means that he's missing both legs of the Copa Libertadores semi-final. Um, so unlucky him. Tabaré Biudes, who's the Uruguayan who Marcelo Gachardo wanted to sign back in January, is now apparently training um, with Rivers' team. He's not been officially signed yet, I don't think, but he's uh, rescinded his contract with uh, Kasim Pasa in Turkey. Uh, I probably didn't pronounce that properly, so I apologise to any Turkish listeners. Um, and, and, and is finally signed for River. And, he's and waiting for Theo to leave. That's why he hasn't signed. Ah, of course, he had to free up the uh, the, the foreigners um, yes. slot. Although I think that they're probably going to register him anyway because they've told Tail that he's not going to be considered. I think we'll get on to that in a minute. And a signing that I'm very happy with as a River fan, Lucas Alario, who has been impressing up front for Colón for a while, given how... Um, not rubbish, but how sort of relatively ordinary Colón have been. Alario is, is an interesting signing for River, I think. Um, Teo Gutierrez... We have already spoken of one Termo leaving Boca Juniors uh, in the form of Daniel Osvaldo, so it's only fair that we mention that Teo Gutierrez is the, you know, arguably the king Termo. They're certainly fighting it out for the title, these two, and it looks like neither of them are going to be in the Argentine League in about a month's time because Gutierrez has made it very clear that he wants out. 
he said, you know, I've already left my stamp on this club. And a lot of River fans have said, no, you haven't. What the fuck are you talking about? You, <laughs> you helped us to, he, to us in Americana. Thanks for that. But, you know, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, it's all about the money for Teo, isn't it? And yet, bizarrely, they can't seem to find any offers for him. Yes, uh, they, they are talking about Corinthians for one side and, and, and Sporting Lisboa in other, the other side. And what is incredible is that his agent has the power to, to uh, negotiate uh, or to deal uh, the, his signing to a, to a club. And there is another, I don't know, agent or what, what to call, uh, that have another power to 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 negotiate so mm. uh, one one part says Corinthians and another part says Sporting Lisboa in Portugal so we don't know uh, the mystery will be wrapped up mm. probably by the end of this month or certainly by the end of August we hope and uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes but you know I don't think he's going to be too badly missed particularly given that you know for most of this year his form for River has actually not been all that good a player up front for River who has been very good so far this year is Rodrigo Mora he's been sold to Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia um, but he's staying with River until their Copa Libertadores campaign is finished the same is true of Matias Kraneviter the player we mentioned earlier is a future Argentina midfielder who's been sold to Atletico Madrid uh, a reported fee of 8 million euros and he's either going to um, to leave if River go out in the semi-final of the Copa Libertadores then Kraneviter goes as soon as they're eliminated if they get to the final he plays the final and then moves to Atletico in December so the sale's already done um, and uh, and River get to keep him uh, for well for hopefully uh, their, their trophy push on, on the one trophy that they want more than any other so I think that's a fantastic piece of business for River it's also a potentially fantastic piece of business for, for Atletico given the fee is neither you know ridiculously low from River's point of view and it's, it's, it's also far cheaper than, than Atletico um, could have got a, a, a similarly decent midfielder for I think um, elsewhere because Kranovitsa as, as, as we've been saying for a while is, is a real talent in midfield Yes but the lack of players uh, being sold means River has to to, to make movements and, mm. and, and they are not in, in not the position to negotiate anymore I think No they needed so, to get some money in from somewhere and and um, and the, uh, similar conditions with uh, Pesela, but he will live now. Not he won't be able to play. Yeah, he's been sold to Real Betis in Spain. Uh, Gio Simeone uh, has been uh, loaned to Banfield to, to join up with his former boss, of course, Matias Almeida, who was he, in charge of him. Surprisingly, or not, he said that he wanted to leave before uh, six months ago. But well, I'm he, not surprised because you know he's not really been considered uh, by Gasharlo and, and I think he's when he has had the chances for River he's by and large failed to take him um, other main I mean it's bloody hard when you've got 30 teams in the Primera to keep up with everybody but um, particularly notable other deals for anybody can you think of any oh Lanus might be signing um, he has signed I think Roman Martinez and uh, uh, well, uh, Roman Martinez on a free from Estudiantes which could be very good and uh, they want to try and sign Denis Traquadosi uh, who apparently is very very close to, to joining if he didn't already do in the last couple of hours because the tweets that we saw reporting it were rather uncommittal about whether it was confirmed or not 
Um, and possibly the most bizarre one of the lot is that Racing, who look like they're going to be letting Gustavo Bull go, um, assuming that they get a decent offer for him, um, and have signed Ricardo Noir, who I think is a potentially good signing from Banfield. Um, they've also signed Mariano Pavone. Which, given how Mariano Pavone has, has played for Vélez Sarsfield for much of this year, and given you know what Mariano Pavone... We have to say Vélez like wasn't, so, wasn't so good, but uh, Pavone, the thing is Pavone uh, goes to Racing to replace Bo. Well, presumably. And I can't see where that's come from. I mean, if they're not... That's strange. It's, it's we have to, to see when Carlos Discoteca Núñez, nightclub Núñez, is recovered from his injury. So, uh, yeah. It, it's, all, all around, it's, it's, it's a slightly bizarre um, move anyway. And there have been lots of others, as we say. We've got 30 teams, so we're not going to go through every side and tell you who's, who's bought everybody. But it looks as if Lucas Muni is going to Newell's Old Boys, which would be a very interesting signing for them. Um, Milton Cascon might be moving from Newell's to either River or Boca um, Independiente haven't signed anybody yet although they're very close to signing Enzo Kalinski from San Lorenzo which I guess would shore up their and also Ortiz from Lanús and uh, Pecherano from Vélez yes essentially a bunch of players who can tackle um, uh, who they need um, and yeah several others which we're not going to go through because we've been recording for quite some time already Um we were also going to mention River against Warani in the Libertadores. We've got a listener's question actually about that, so let's move on to listeners' questions now, and we'll uh, use these as the springboard for the next few minutes. Um, we have had one first of all from SWL Guna, who says, "Any info down there about the likelihood of the Copa America 2016 taking place?" I've been beginning to hear rumblings of doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's. Uh, that people are expressing doubt shouldn't be of any surprise it, it's been um, the main reason behind these the the sort of catalyst for the FBI's investigations of FIFA was the fact that Commebol decided to, to arrange it and that's why so many of the um, investigations are particularly related to Commebol and CONCACAF officials um, but yeah I mean well, info no because we're not going to hear anything until we hear something Commebol has reported some uh, problems to financial problems in terms of prizes to uh, give uh, for the tournaments uh, not for the Copa America but yes for the future tournament so, so we have to see what happens because some sponsors have managed to to yeah. uh, not to, to cut contracts because of this scandal and, and of FIFA gate and so uh, we yeah, have we to say to, to, to see what happens with Conmebol finances and with the prices basically so the short answer is that we don't have any information about how likely it is because we'll hear when you hear probably but um, it wouldn't be a surprise at all if it didn't end up taking place uh, La Celeste blog don't have a question but would like to congratulate us on reaching episode 189 it took us six months to get to our second episode they say uh, thank you very much indeed and Chris Hartley has sent a whole bunch of questions to make up for everybody else presumably thinking we're recording tomorrow still um, he says with the return of Saviola and Aymar to River and Tebes going to Boca why do you think they came back now and where do they fit into the existing sides why is love of the club seemingly I mean particularly and in Tebes' case they've given up a lot of money on their bank uh, accounts so yeah. they have not it's not that they don't need, don't need any more, but they have enough money 
and now they they are showing their gratitude to, to the clubs. They, yeah, and they, I, I think th- this sounds very uh, romantic right. and possibly naive of us to yes. say believing it, you know, in, in the cynical modern world of football. But uh, you know, loads of Argentine players come back at the twilight of their careers to the clubs where they started. Um, and you know, it, it's very much it, it's sort of seen as the done thing almost um, for, for for Argentine players. So nothing in particular that's unusual about it. So I think that that's a you know, and and, and it also particularly in the case of, of Saviola and Aymar, they've got the chance to win the Copa Libertadores. Okay, to to come in at the semi final stage, but they've got the chance to to help River get a lot get across the finishing line. Um, where do they fit into the existing sides? Well, Tevez goes straight into the starting eleven. Um, becomes the focal point, the, the the main centre forward. You know, replaces Daniel Osvaldo, and is probably going to do very well indeed. Saviola, Aymar, um, Gonzalez, and Gonzalez, of course. Yeah. Um, let's see how they are physically, because obviously all of those players are, are somewhat older, um, but they're all going to be very useful substitutes, and also just useful to have around the club when you're bringing up young players and they're able to look at these guys who've gone to Europe and won everything after starting out at River, um, you know, or it might be a you know Boca or Independiente or, or Estudiantes or whatever other club when, when they get the chance to bring one of these club legends back, or in River's case this year three of them. Um, it, it's a fantastic opportunity for them to look at you know to to, to tap hold the other kids who are coming through the club and point out them and say, this is where you could be. You know, they, they, these guys have, have been to Europe. They, they, they've won a lot. Um, these are the examples you need to follow. Uh, where do they fit into the existing sides? In that case, I mean, for, for Rivers, it's almost not that important for River if they're in the starting eleven or not. But there will certainly be impact subs at the very least, I would have thought. Um, are there any other transfers that have occurred that you feel could benefit or hinder a team? I think we've very quickly gone, gone over a few in the last couple of minutes. And here's Chris's point for our little very short preview how are River's chances of winning the Copa Libertadores seen in Argentina how optimistic are you of River winning the Libertadores well, I, I, I normally they should pass one in though they are a hard team they have uh, eliminated Corinthians and Racing and it's worth saying that we said that Racing should have gotten put Guarani out as well at the last stage so um, yes. <laughs> we're perhaps not the people to ask <laughs> about yes. how good Guarani are but Tigres, uh, though they can't uh, go to the to the Euro, to the World Cup uh, club cup because the the Mexican teams go through the Conca Conca Champions. Uh, Tigres is a hard side also because they have signed a strange signing, a French striker, Andres Gignac, from Olympique Marseille, where where Bielsa is or was. We don't know if he whether he will continue or not there, but uh, and, and a Nigerian striker also I think uh, Uche. So Tigres have oh well I heard about Gignac but I hadn't heard about Uche. Yes, uh, strange things for for uh, Latin America, but uh, Tigres it's in Mexico and Mexico have a lot of money, mm. uh, so that, that that will be a hard. Harder, I think. One other thing that's, that's worth mentioning in the context of the Libertadores is that if Tigres reach the final, um, although they are the highest seeded side left in the competition, um, and therefore the seeding would, would mean that they'd get to play the second leg of the final at home, uh, there is a, a separate regulation in Conmebol's uh, rules which states that the Libertadores and Sudamericana must always be decided on South American soil which means that if Tigres get to the final 
they will play the second leg either in um, Asuncion or in Buenos Aires. Yes. In spite of the fact that they're higher seeded for the knockout stage than, than River and, and Guarani. Um, so obviously if, if, if the final is River or Guarani, uh, sorry, River against Internacional, then it'll be first leg in Buenos Aires, second leg in Porto Alegre. Yes. If it's Guarani, Internacional, I'm not sure because I can't remember which way around the seedings are for those two. But if it's Tigres against either of the other two, the first leg is in Mexico and the second leg is, is in the southern which, cone. I don't know up to which point is better or worse. We have to remember River. Well, it's advantageous, having... I think, having the, yes. the decisive match yes. in your own stadium, surely. I mean, yeah, yes, sure. Yes, it, how, yes. how big an advantage is it? Yeah, in terms of, 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 of being sure. with your 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 crowd, your 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 the people that uh, support you, yes, it's better. But uh, you have to remember that a lot of uh, uh, of stages or of draws were defi- decided with the uh, the away team def- uh, being the mm-hmm. the ones that uh, advance to the to the following. If you're listening and you're a, a statistician of any sort, uh, then I'd be interested to hear how many Copa Libertadores finals, particularly, um, have been won by the away side and how many have been won by the home side in the second leg. Um, maybe I'll look it up myself and, and work it out for next week. I very much doubt that I'll be bothered, but who knows? If I'm particularly bored, I might give it a go. Um, anything else? We've not had any other questions. I should just check that we haven't had any in the last couple of minutes. No, we haven't. Um, so I think that all that remains now is to bring up Mystic Sam's predictions for the 16th round of Primera División action uh, and to read them out to you. So here's Mystic Sam's theme music. And here are the predictions. First matches on Friday. Ah, I'm not predicting Tigre River, by the way, because it's uh, it belongs to a previous um, round, and I can't remember what I said for it. I think I might have said a, a draw, but I'm not sure about that, so that doesn't count. Um, Arsenal versus Gimnasia on Friday. I think that that's going to be a Gimnasia win. Estudiantes versus San Martín is a draw. Uh, Estudiantes, of course, have let Guido Carrillo. Well, they haven't let him go. They've sold him to to Monaco, as we mentioned uh, near the start of the episode. So that's going to be a big loss for them. And Roman Martinez has gone to Lanús. So Estudiantes' attack all round is going to look very different in the next six months. Lanús versus Atlético de Rafaela, I think, is going to be a Lanús win. Quilmes against Banfield is a Banfield win. Uh, Belgrano against Argentinos Juniors is a Belgrano victory. Huracan against Defensa Justicia is an Huracan win in a big relegation fight. River Plate against Tempele. River are going to have an eye on the Copa Libertadores, of course, but I think that River will still get the win in that one. Union um, versus San Lorenzo is a San Lorenzo win. I'm not going for many draws this weekend, am I? That makes me slightly nervous. Um, Boca Juniors to beat Sarmiento away from home. Godoy Cruz to beat Crucero del Norte. We've not mentioned at all in this podcast, having said at the beginning to each other that we should mention it. That will be Gabriel Hainse's first ever match competitively as a manager. Lots and lots and lots of players who played under Alex Ferguson have gone on to be managers. Lots of players who played under Marcelo Bielsa have gone on to be managers. I'm pretty certain that Hainse is the first player to have played under both of those managers 
um, and to become a manager himself. So a fairly lofty couple of schools of managerial greatness to live up to. Um, Independiente versus Olimpo will be an Independiente win. Uh, Neil's Old Boys against Racing is a draw. I have predicted at least one draw. Verga Chicago against Colón will be a Colón victory. Aldo Civi against Rosario Central, I think is an Aldo, uh, is a Rosario Central win, sorry. Aldo Civi have done well, let's not forget, in the first half of the year, but have actually looked slightly better away from home than they have at home. And, and Rosario Central looked impressively good. In yes, the, in Central, just to remind uh, people, first of all, they look very good in the Copa Argentina, as Andres says on Friday, and secondly, in the league, they've only lost once so far this year, and that was to River um, a couple of weeks, well, one week before the uh, international break. And Vélez Sarsfield against Tigre, I think is a Tigre win. So just the one draw I'm going for. Didn't really realise that whilst I was writing those up, and that has now made me slightly jumpy about how successful I'm going to be with these predictions. But what do you think of those, Andres? I think uh, I pretty much agree with your prediction. So you will have, you will, I think you reach a, at least half of the results uh, you will get them. So, yeah. Fingers Good. crossed. Fingers crossed, as we say. Um, I think that's it for this week's episode. Next week, we will be recording a day or two days later uh, because Rivers Libertadores semi final is on Tuesday, which means that we won't have to record early in order to avoid it, which is brilliant because um, I don't really like recording on Tuesdays, but here we are anyway. Um, Thank you very much for listening, everybody, to Handapod 189. Enjoy the return of Primera División football to your television or, indeed, computer screens if you're watching on YouTube and haven't been able to catch the Copa America for the last few weeks. We're, we're back on now. Yeah, we're b- back to the normal uh, number, amount of, of matches, which are a lot. Yeah, which uh, we, are, we are used to. We were used to two or one or two matches a day with the Copa America. Now, again, the... The rhythm of a lot of matches. Yes, indeed we are. Um, thank you very much for listening, and please join us again next week. For now, it is goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And goodbye, and thank you from me. Goodbye, and thank you. Panda Pod is sponsored by the Argentina Independent, a wonderful source of English language news entertainment and cultural stuff which you can read free of charge on argentinaindependent.com